Well, I'll go ahead and start the recording here. We had to get a new microphone. And, uh, and you're going to want this. Uh, I think your last recording of your motion study did not come out. Last, this Friday? No, I think a week ago. Oh, okay. So, Brianna wondered if you would want to re-record that session somehow. So, and, and my well, last... That was a good one, too, because we had several people. But that's, yeah. That's my last good. Sunday here, she said, was real skipped a lot. Lots. So, anyway, we got a new microphone today, so hopefully it's recording today, and hopefully uh, she had it for Friday night, too. Uh, I didn't use it because oh. I was wasn't positive that's the one we were supposed to use because it was oh. so different. Okay. Uh, Hold on. But, uh, it's a well, anyway, you're good going forward anyway. Well, good morning, everybody. Let's, uh, I want us to look at Psalm, uh, verse chapter 48. It smells clean up here. Yeah, the clean yeah. sprayer stuff. Yeah, yeah, if you'll look at Psalm 48 with me, there's a word here I wanted you to see. Plus, this will just be a good good way to start our meeting today. Appreciate everybody that came out Wednesday night. We had a good good conference and good response. Several people signed up for mission trips and prayer teams, and so we're wanting that to really carry over to today. How many, how many of you are going to go taking it to the streets? Do you know? I know Jim can't. So Pam and Brian, are you guys going to go? Or, you know? Probably not. So, at least a couple of us. So that's good. We'll, uh, <clears throat> it, it, sh it shouldn't take too long. We, we've covered the uh, Thunderbird apartments before. So that's kind of where our group's going to go. But let's look at Psalm chapter 48. And let's read the first two verses. It says, Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised in the city of our God, in the mountain of His holiness. And it says, Beautiful for situation, the joy of the whole earth is Mount Zion in the sides of the north, the city of the great king. And so I just really like that. It's kind of a praise to the Lord. God is on the mountain of His holiness, and it's called Mount Zion, the city of the great king. But it, it says it's in the sides of the north. And so, as we as we look at Jeremiah 50 today, I wanted us to look at that before we looked at Jeremiah 48. But let, let's look at Jeremiah 50 right now. I, that's what I meant to say. Jeremiah 50. This is where our study's at. <clears throat> and uh, our book's kind of winding down, isn't it? We're, uh, we've been here 50 weeks now, so that's good. And uh, thank you for joining us online. I know Tom and Nisha said they're trying to get back to us and sound like Sarah's trying to get her health issues under control. and kind of messes everything up when you don't feel good, doesn't it? So, uh, Emmett, would you read the first three verses of Jeremiah 50 for us? Okay. The word that the Lord spake against Babylon and against the land of the Chaldeans by Jeremiah the prophet, declaring among the nations and published and set up the standard Publish and conceal not. Say, Babylon is taken. Bell is confounded. More than a piece of serials are confounded, and it's broken pieces. For out of the north there cometh a nation against her, 
and shall make her land desolate. Amen. They shall depart therein. They shall <coughs> remove. They shall depart of land and beast. All right. Thank you. <coughs> So this, I believe this is the last of the Gentile nations that's prophesied against. There, were, I think there was either eight or ten different uh, Gentile nations. And now the last is Babylon, who is the world ruling power at this time. And so Jeremiah is prophesying the demise or the fall of Babylon. And it calls it the land of the Chaldee. Chaldeans, and uh, there, there are several different names. If, if you remember, they built the, the Tower of Babel in the plains of Shinar, they called it. And so Shinar, and you remember whenever God called Abraham, he called him out of the Ur of the Chaldees, so out of Babylon. So it's called the Chaldeans, it's called Babylon, it's called the plains of Shinar, and uh, you remember uh, Nimrod was the man that established and founded this uh, this country and the name Babylon itself means confusion it's a place of confusion that's why we say he or she is just babbling they're they're babbling they're they're saying confusing things and um, anyway uh, here it mentions a couple of their gods and this uh, bell, if you know in the New Testament, remember they, they said that Jesus, they blasphemed the Lord because they said he is casting out demons in the power of Beelzebub. And it, it, it's like Beelzebub. Uh, and it, it meant Lord of the Flies is what Beelzebub means. But bell here is, is, the thing I saw, is it's a contraction of the word Baal. And that's kind of Babylon's national god. And it's mentioned at other times uh, in... or It's mentioned J, uh, Baal many times in the Bible. <clears throat> and then this Merodach is another god. And I think it mentions... Uh, in verse 2, toward the end there, it says, Her idols. So this Merodach is evidently a female deity. It, it said her idols and uh, this is the only mention of this god this goddess in the bible uh, but Babylon does have a king named evil Merodach and then uh, another king named Merodach Bal Baladan so that, that name uh, Merodach is in two of the king's names of Babylon so anyway, it was one of their female deities. But in verse 3 that uh, Brother Emmett read, it says, For out of the north cometh up a nation against her. So there's coming a nation against Babylon, and it's from the north. So the word north is what I had you put in your first blank there, if you want to fill in your blank. <clears throat> and uh, Jim will get a kick out of this, but... Brother, brother P. P. Ruckman, he he wrote a couple things about this coming from the north. He says <clears throat> he notes that there's kind of a pattern of people being conquered from the north. Egypt lost to Assyria, which was from the north, and although Babylon was south. of Assyria Nebuchadnezzar beat the king of Assyria at Ch Cherimish which was north of Assyria uh, the first king to rule the city of Babylon when it was taken by the Persian Persians was Darius the, the Median and Media is north so, so what is prophesied here in Jeremiah the Medes and the Persians are north of Babylon so Babylon is, has already conquered Israel from the north but now Assyria or the Medes and the Persians are north of Babylon and they're going to conquer Babylon so it's kind of 
need. Uh, let me look at the and there's there's one more thing he says here. He says Greece from the north beats Persia. And then he says uh, Rome, which is north of Greece, conquers the Greeks. And then he says the German tribes from the north bring about the fall of Rome. And the English, which is north of Germany, dominate the world, territory, economically or linguistically, until the second advent. He says when the Antichrist shows up, he is called the king of the north in Daniel 9. And when the Lord comes back to take out the Antichrist, he comes from the north. And then he even comments that naturally the civil war the north wins because the south had all the old had all the odds stacked against it so he even said that in the civil war the north beat the south so the reason i the reason i brought up psalm 48 is uh heavenly jerusalem the mount zion is in the sides of the north and so anyway it's just kind of a little neat neat deal that uh that brother uh, ruckman brings up <coughs> So anyway, that's what uh, your teaching point there on your first was uh, north is where heaven is and that's where our Lord will come uh, from to conquer the world at His second coming. And uh, you could put Psalm 48 2 there and Isaiah 14 13 is also talks about the sides of the north. This next little section, verses 4 through 8 if you're still in Jeremiah 50 in verse 4 uh, somebody read 4 and 5 if they would for us uh, Pam Anderson <coughs> they shall ask the way to Zion with their faces with their wards saying, Come, and let us join ourselves to the Lord in the perpetual covenant that shall not be forgotten. All right, and uh, Brian, will you read uh, 5 and 6? Uh, will they read 6 and 7? Yeah, I'm sorry, 6 and 7, and 8. 6, 7, and 8. Okay. My people have been lost. Their shepherds have caused them to go astray. They have turned them away. They have turned them away on the mountains. They have gone from mountain to hill. They have forgotten their resting place. All that found them have devoured them. And their adversaries said, "We offend not, because they have sinned against the Lord." The habitation of justice is in the Lord, the hope of their fathers. Remove out of the midst of Babylon and go forth out of the land of the Chaldeans, and be as uh, and be as the eagles before the flock. <clears throat> All right, thank you. Uh, we're going to come back to that little phrase, those days. We, we mentioned that that's uh, a reference to the tribulation period. But uh, here it mentions that that my people have been lost sheep, and it says their shepherds have caused them to go astray. And I gave you a... Uh, a few things that God's shepherds were supposed to do uh, out of Ezekiel it says good shepherds they, they're supposed to strengthen the sick good shepherds bind the broken good shepherds bring back those that are driven off and good shepherds will seek the lost and good shepherds will feed the flock <clears throat> and uh, be, be turning to hold your place here and go to 1 Peter 5, that's a good reference for uh, shepherding. 1 Peter chapter 5, right near the end of our Bibles. And while you're going there, I thought I would just read you a little bit about sheep. Uh, sheep take a lot of care. They need a shepherd that's willing to lay down their life for, for them. And sheep have no natural protection. They are weak, they're slow, they're soft-skinned, and they're defenseless. I mean, they, they don't have, you know, claws and uh, 
teeth. I mean, if, uh, they can't really protect themselves. And sheep also have no sense of danger. They go in harm's way and they have a small will to live. I mean, that's, that's why some of them fall in a ditch or off a cliff. Uh, and sheep are very dependent. They lack direction and they have uh, a need to be led. They need uh, to be led. And I, I even noted that sheep cannot clean themselves. Sheep have been known, uh, I mean, I think that's partly why they shear them, but they can get so muddy that they uh, cannot even support their own weight. It gets matted into their wool and they can lie down and, and die in their own filth and they can't get up. And uh, I actually talked to a man who raised sheep his whole life and, and he, he said he had one that he finally found in a dish. It was kind of on its back and it was so muddy they couldn't shear it. It kept cutting their skin and they couldn't hose it off. It just had clay and they finally just died, he said. Uh, so that's a little bit about sheep. But here in First uh, Peter 5, it talks about... Uh, the, the chief shepherd. Look, look at, well, let's just read verses 1 through 5. I'll read that with you. The elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. So he's talking to elders, which is our word for pastors. In verse 2 he says, Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof. Uh, the, the word oversight is, is where the word bishop comes from. And a, a bishop is an overseer. So take the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, in other words, not, not for a paycheck, but of a ready mind. Verse 3, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock, and then he says in verse 4, And when the chief shepherd shall appear, we shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. And so Jesus is called the chief shepherd, and he will give a crown to faithful under-shepherds uh, who are in samples to his flock. So it's his people, the flock of God, the, the sheep. <clears throat> And uh, anybody else have any comments about shepherds or sheep from uh, our discussion here this morning? Any thoughts? Not, not particularly. I, I really think that's where the word uh, the word pa pasture comes from. It comes from pasture, like like grass is like a pasture. It comes. I really think that's where the word pasture comes from. It's where they and uh, and it's in uh, John ten where uh, it says Christ says that my sheep hear my voice and so not not everybody is the Lord's sheep and so that's what we're trying to do as we take it to the street we want to bring more people into the flock of God and. Uh, we want them to hear his voice too, don't we? So, alright, so the word chief is what went in your blank there. <clears throat> He's the chief. Chief shepherd. <clears throat> chief sheep herder. Shepherd sheep herder. Uh, alright, well let's look at uh, now... Verses 9 and 10, uh, Pam Jackson back in uh, Jeremiah 50, or 9 and 10. For lo, I will raise and cause to come up against Babylon an assembly of great nations from the north country, and they shall set themselves in array against her. From thence she shall be taken, their error shall be as of a mighty expert man, none shall return in vain. And Chaldea shall be a spoil. All that spoil her shall be satisfied, saith the Lord. Yeah, so these uh, assembly of great nations from the north country, that's a reference to these Medes and Persians. 
And uh, do you guys remember the in, in Daniel chapter two where you know uh, Nebuchadnezzar has this dream of an image and it had a head of gold and a, a a chest of silver, I think it was. And I was hoping to draw that on the board here, but I, I didn't. Maybe I'll do that next week. But uh, the chest is a representation of the Medes and the Persians. And modern day Persia is Iran. And that, that's the, the location of it. And uh, anyway, the, the Persians. Well, I won't spoil it. We'll keep going here. I wanted to uh, share who their leader was because you've heard of him, the, the Persian leader, but I'll share it with you here in just a minute. <clears throat> but in verses, I won't read all these, but verses 14 through 16, if uh, somebody else wants to read those, uh, January 14 through 16. <clears throat> Put yourselves in array against Babylon round about. All ye that bend the bow, shoot at her. Spare no arrows, for she hath sinned against the Lord. Shout against her round about. She hath given her hand. Her foundations are fallen. Her walls are thrown down. And it is the vengeance of the Lord. Take vengeance upon her, as she hath done do unto her. Cut off the sword from Babylon, and him that handleth the sickle in the time of harvest. For fear of the oppressing sword, they shall turn every one to his people, and they shall flee every one to his own land. Yeah, I titled this section The Destruction of Judah's Destroyers because essentially Babylon is reaping what they have sown. It, it, they're cutting off the sower and him that handles the sickle, and it's his time of harvest. So it's very uh, kind of symbolic language a little bit, but. He, he says right at the end of verse 15 that uh, that this Medes and the Persians are going to take vengeance on her as she has done uh, hath done do unto her. So she's going to reap what she has sown and so God is taking vengeance and we're going to see in just a minute partly why he has such wrath against Babylon. Not only have they destroyed his people and taken their lives uh, they also destroyed the temple we're going to see that here in just a little bit but I think we got time to look at a couple of these let's look at the Deuteronomy verse I think we've already looked at the Romans verse in the past look back at Deuteronomy 32 32-35 And you see this word vengeance. <clears throat> and you probably remember that this will make a little more sense as we read this, but um, do you remember in the Old Testament you might have read they had cities of refuge? And the purpose of that was that if if you accidentally killed someone, and you know that that, that happened that you could flee to this city of refuge until, and hopefully I'm saying this right, their priest or their leadership could decide if it was an accidental manslaughter and, and they would protect you uh, and what they were protecting you against were the avenger of the dead person. So uh, l let's say one of you accidentally you know, killed my son or something. God forbid, right? But I would want to kill you because you killed my son, and so there would have to be, you could flee to a city of refuge until, you know, you had your day in court to see if it was just or not, and there would be some witnesses, and um, anyway, that so, so there was an avenger of blood there, and, and you could be protected, but here in Deuteronomy 32, and verse 35, uh, Evan, I think we're back to you, brother. To me, belong vengeance and wrath and pain. Their foot supplied in due time, for the day of their calamity is at hand, and the pain threat shall come upon them 
Yeah. So to me belongeth vengeance and recompense. So God, uh, vengeance belongs to the Lord. Is what goes in your blank there. The word vengeance and this recompense. So he he is taking vengeance upon Babylon, and he is recompensing them. They're they're reaping what they've sown. And there's it says the same thing in uh, Romans chapter twelve, but. Well, let's, let's go back to uh, Jeremiah now, chapter 50. <clears throat> trying to think if... Uh, let's jump, jump down to verse 17 through 20. Uh, Pam, you want to read those? 17 through 20. Israel is a scattered sheep. The lions have driven him away from First, the king of Assyria hath devoured him, and last, this Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon hath broken his bones. Therefore, thus saith the Lord of hosts, the God of Israel, Behold, I will punish the king of Babylon and his land, as I have punished the king of Assyria. And I will bring Israel again to his habitation, and he shall feed on Carmel. In those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Okay, and so I had you put this word pardoned as your last blank there. But uh, it talks about this Assyria, and it says that the Lord, the the king of Assyria hath devoured him. Do you remember, I think it was about 130 years before Judah was taken by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Assyria, I I think, maybe it's Shennacherib, I believe. He, he took the northern ten tribes. Well, Nebuchadnezzar conquered the Assyrians. And so, that's what the Lord is saying, that Israel is this scattered sheep, and the lions have driven him away. Uh, first, the king of Assyria hath devoured him, and last, this Nebuchadnezzar. So, it's talking about the ten tribes and the two tribes. And, and one thing I, I believe a little differently now from having read and studied this a little bit is I believe some of the ten tribes that were in the in captive in Assyria I think now they're captive in Babylon I think I think he, he takes some of those so I, I think some of these twelve tribes are kind of all together a little bit in Babylon but uh, I gave you a definition of, of pardon I think I did Maybe I didn't. Maybe I took a picture of it. (laughs) Let me see if I can read it to you. Yeah, I took a picture of it. It's the release of an offense or or, or of the obligation of the offender to suffer a penalty. It, It has to do with forgiveness, doesn't it? And it, one of the definitions just said forgiveness received. So uh, some of you know Bill Corum, and he was uh, in prison for different crimes. And uh, it took it took twenty years later, but as uh, Governor Nixon left office in Missouri, he pardoned. Bill Corum, and so uh, Bill Bill Corum released him from, I guess, ever being sentenced for any past crimes. So that was just a big deal for Bill Corum, and I, I think you have to, you know, submit some kind of thing in order. I tried to help one of our church members. I wrote a letter to the governor trying to get her son pardoned, 
and uh, I don't think that ever happened. Uh, she, she believes he's innocent for a, uh, a crime. So anyway, uh, he's, he's still, it's been like over 15 years that uh, the person's been in prison that I wrote a letter to. So anyway, th there's, so there's, a, I guess, a legal aspect to being pardoned. And that's what it says at the end of verse 20 that uh, Pam read, I will pardon them who, whom I reserve. And so uh, the Lord's going to pardon his people for their sins and uh, purge her. And so with that, let's go to the back page of your handout. Now my teaching point here, it talks about those days again here that Pam read. In verse 20 it says, In those days and in that time, saith the Lord, the iniquity of Israel shall be sought for, and there shall be none. And the sins of Judah, and they shall not be found, for I will pardon them to my reserve. So the Lord pardons them. And if, if you had someone to ask you, why, you know, Steve, why do you say that those days is a reference to the tribulation period? I would take you to Matthew 24. So let, let's all go to Matthew 24. And this, to me, I believe is pretty, pretty ironclad of defense of why uh, almost always those days is a reference to the tribulation period, if not always. In fact, Brian, I bet you've said this before. You're just having one of those days. You know, it's a terrible day, isn't it? Yeah. If you're having one of those days, it's a reference to you having a bad day. Well, that's a reference to the tribulation period. So 24, 21, and 22 says, Matthew 24, 21, And then shall be great tribulation, such as was not since the beginning of the world, to this time, no, nor ever shall be, and except those days should be shortened, there should be no flesh, there should no flesh be saved, but for the elect's sake, those days shall be shortened. So that great tribulation, the second part of the tribulation period, when uh, those vials are being poured out, and uh, uh, it's a reference to those days. Everybody see that? And, and so with that in mind, let's look at a couple of other places here in the New Testament. Let's look at Revelation 9. Revelation 9, 6. So I, I think that was pretty pretty uh, straightforward there from Matthew 24. But Revelation 9, 6 look at a couple of these it says and in those days shall men seek death and shall not find it and shall desire to die and death shall flee from them so this is where uh, some men were tormented for five months and it, it happens during those days and of course the uh, Genesis 6 talks about those days but let's look at one place that in Mark, let's go to Mark chapter 8. I think this is pretty cool. Matthew, Mark, Luke. Mark chapter 8. And look at verse 1. And we're going to read maybe the first eight verses, but. Mark 8 says, In those days, the multitude being very great, and having nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples unto him, and saith unto them, I have compassion on the multitude, because they have now been with me three days, and have nothing to eat. And if I send them away fasting to their own houses, they will faint by the way, for divers of them came from afar. And his disciples answered him, From whence can a man satisfy these men with bread here in the wilderness? And so I, I believe this story is kind of a picture of how the Lord feeds his people Israel in the tribulation period. 
and it mentions here in the wilderness and um, I don't think I'll read the rest of that there but I know Pam uh, Anderson you were telling me you did some study on Petra this week and uh, but anyway we talked about how the Lord will feed his people in the wilderness for three and a half years probably in Petra and it's a place of wilderness and, and that's where they're fed and nourished for three three and a half uh, years in the, in the wilderness in those days anyway that's kind of cool isn't it yeah. so even even the Lord's story there of uh, feeding I don't know if that's the feeding the 5,000 uh, also I mean related to this when he is uh, feeding them and protecting them and, and say the feature down there that he'll feed them with manna and quail again just like in the Old Testament and which is bread yeah with manna and quail and yeah which is bread yeah good deal yeah they may have to go out and gather manna each morning so all right, well that's a little bit about those days. Let's go back to Jeremiah here. I had a reference Jeremiah 33. I think we got time. Let's look at Jeremiah 33 real quick. <coughs> verse 15 and 16. And uh, Brian, I'll let you read it. 33 verse 15 and 16. twice there in those days and the branch of righteousness it's a, it's a time when those Judah shall be saved so anyway it's just following right along with what we're saying here so so praise the Lord alright back to Jeremiah 50 and it's in verse 33 it mentions let me, let me read that one for you Jer, uh, Jeremiah 50 verse 33 <clears throat> thus saith the Lord of hosts the children of Israel and the children of Judah so this is where I think both the ten tribes and the two tribes are in Babylon it says uh the children of Israel and the children of Judah were oppressed together and all that took them captives held them fast they refused to let them go their redeemer is strong the Lord of hosts is his name he shall thoroughly plead their cause that he may give rest to the land and disquiet the inhabitants of Babylon I really like that there. Did I jump? I jumped out. I, I skipped a section of my lesson, didn't I? Yeah, 21. <laughs> All right, let, let me go back. Uh, Pam, Jack, would you read verse 21 for us? Yes. Sorry. Go up against the land of. Uh, Marathaim, even against it and against the inhabitants of uh, Pekah, waste and utterly destroy after them, says the Lord, and do according to all that I have commanded thee. Now, the thing I was reading said that this Marathaim and Pekah, whatever you, you said better than I did, I think, Pam, these are the thing I read said these are symbolic names for Babylon so I it could be that there are towns there and then I even gave you a third name from earlier in Jeremiah this Shishak and it's taken from their goddess Shaft 
and I gave you the references in Jeremiah where it mentions that. So the thing I was reading said that all three of those names were like symbolic names for Babylon. And uh, other than that, I, I don't know, but it, it gave you some meaning. Uh, the first one means double rebellion, and that peacod means visitation because the Lord's going to visit them. And then uh, in verse 28, uh, Pam, would you also read verse 28 for us? <coughs> the voice of them that flee and escape out of the land of Babylon to declare in Zion the vengeance of the Lord our God, the vengeance of his temple. Yeah, that's where I, I wanted to pause there a little bit. I think that's significant because the temple is where you know the Ark of the Covenant was. It, it was the holy things of the Lord. And let, let me take you to a place. Let, let me take you to Haggai. If you can find the the book Haggai in your Bible, chapter two. I think. Uh, I think there's something we can learn from this. I, mean, I do think I do think the Lord caused Babylon to come up and punish his people. <coughs> but destroying the temple, I, I think they almost went too far. But yeah, let, let's look at Haggai, if you can find that. Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Haggai, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, chapter 2, and let's look at verse 10, and there's like three questions here, Haggai 2.10, it says, In the four and twentieth day of the ninth month in the second year of Darius, uh, that's the Mede, Darius the Mede, I believe, came the word of the Lord to Haggai, or by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, Ask now the priest concerning the law, saying, And here's the question, verse 10, If, if one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, and with his skirt do touch bread or pottage or wine or oil or any meat, shall it be holy? And the priest answered and said, No. So, th so think about this. If you're a priest and you've got uh, kind of your robe on, and the way I read this, so you can kind of make a basket out of your skirt, couldn't you? You could kind of take your robe and make a place, if you got some holy flesh, like somebody sacrificed something and they put it on your skirt and you're carrying it, it says if that if that touch any bread or pottage or wine or oil or any meat shall it be holy they're saying like if if anything that that's unclean touch what's in your skirt um shall it continue to be holy and, and no it's saying that that thing defiled the holy thing that's what I think it's saying and then look at verse 13 then said Haggai if one that is unclean by a dead body touch any of these shall it be unclean and the priest answered and said it shall be unclean so think about this let's say me and Jim we had to bury somebody, and it's the old west time. And, uh, you know, we had to lift the dead body and put it in the grave. The Bible says, that, you know, you're unclean. You're supposed to kind of wash yourself and be unclean for seven days. Or I don't know exactly how it all worked. But, but anyway, if Jim or I just got done burying a dead body and, and we, we touched like a, a holy thing, we would make that holy thing unclean. 
and and then so then verse anyway this is a little bit complicated but it, it makes a point then answered Haggai verse 14 and said so is this people and so is this nation before me saith the Lord and so is every work of their hands and that which they offer there is unclean so they're worshiping idols and things that are made with your hands and the Lord's just saying it's defiled you you were a clean people and it defiled you and you're touching other things and you're defiling them and so it's just kind of all messed up and the reason I bring this up in this context is the Babylonians had just defiled the temple they they were touching you know the table of showbread the probably the Ark of the Covenant and this altar and so everything was just defiled and God is going to punish them for that but uh, you guys remember don't you that remember when uh, David was trying to bring the Ark of the Covenant to Jerusalem and it was on an ox cart and it was about to fall off the ox cart and some guy just tried to help stabilize it and he touched the Ark and, and God killed him that day it's because he touched the holy thing and and uh, you probably remember two of Aaron's sons died when they offered strange fire in Leviticus 10 God killed uh, uh, Abiathar and I forget the other guy's name he killed Aaron two of Aaron's sons died in one day for offering strange fire so there's just a, a thing that we we even have to be careful you know, my Bible says holy on it. If we're touching the holy things of God and we're not clean, it we don't want to defile the Word of God. You see what I'm saying? There's and even uh, you know that, that's kind of why God says if we offend one of His little ones, it's better that a millstone be hanged about our neck and thrown in the depth of the sea. If we touch the holy things of God uh, in a defiled manner, it it's, it has a, a punishment to it, doesn't it? So I really think these Babylonians maybe went too far by destroying His temple. It said, uh, let's go back to Jeremiah 50. It's at the end of verse 28. Declare in Zion the vengeance of the Lord our God, the vengeance of His temple. So they, these Babylonians had defiled His temple and God is bringing about vengeance on it. And uh, that, that's where we were at, Pat. We were talking about holy things from Haggai. Uh, anyway, is there any other thoughts about that? I think, I think there's even more to that you know I've got a list of at least 15 people that God killed in the Bible uh, some of them looked into the Ark there were like 70,000 killed for looking into the Ark of the Covenant And anyway we don't want to be have judgment on us for touching the holy things of God is, is kind of the point and that's kind of what's happening to the Babylonians but uh, now I read a minute ago verses 33 and 34 where God is the redeemer and, and I gave you a definition of redeem on your handout under Roman numeral 6 letter B the Lord of hosts is their redeemer redeem means to purchase back to ransom to liberate or rescue from captivity or bondage and this was even in uh, Webster's 18:28 from Deuteronomy 25 and De or Deuteronomy 7 and Psalm 25. Redeem, O Israel, redeem Israel, O God, out of all His troubles. So, <laughs> redeem means to purchase again. So, the Lord is our redeemer. He's bought us with a price, and uh, we love Him for it. And in, in, in verse 33 that I read. It says that the children of Israel and the children of Judah were oppressed. And I, I gave you, I think this is in our argument material, in our 
addiction ministry, oppression has to do with outward pressure. And uh, when we were in uh, Poland on our way to, uh, and even in uh, Belarus, Russia, they, they called those a very oppressed people. Just, and I, I don't know if it's because the government kind of owns everything, it's kind of communistic, and uh, in, in a way, the people were oppressed. There's just an outward pressure. And uh, we, we can all feel that, can't we, just a little bit? We, we feel an outward pressure to, you know, th- seem like uh, things in general are, are against us. <coughs> and so it says that the Lord pleads their cause. And uh, most of you know Mark Roach. He leads the... Uh, the Cass County Rescue Mission, he, they still got a good work going on there. I think Brother Randy Seahorn is helping them a lot. But his verse for that mission is uh, Proverbs 31.9. If you want to look at that with me, Proverbs 31.9. This is his, his verse for the Cass County Rescue Mission. And uh, Jim, we're, we're back to you, I think, if you want to read Proverbs 31.9. All right. <clears throat> Open thy mouth, judge righteously, and plead the cause of the poor and needy. Yeah, so I I had you put these in your blank, just poor and needy. And uh, that's his target audience there at the rescue mission. They feed people just uh, one meal a day now. Or I'm sorry, one meal on on Saturday, one meal a week, and then they uh, preach a gospel message to them, and that's that's Mark's calling is to plead the cause of the poor and the needy, and he opens his mouth uh, to do so. All right, well that was that little section of Jeremiah 50, but let's go back to Jeremiah 50 now, and. Verses 35 to 46, we won't read all of these, but basically the sword comes upon upon Babylon. And in verse 38, uh, consider this for just a minute. Jeremiah 50 and verse 38. Uh, Emma, we're back to you if you want to read that one. Verse 38. Yeah. The ground is upon her waters, and they shall be dried up. For it is the land of trading languages, and they are mad upon their idols. Now, that's a, uh, a reference to, in the tribulation period, the Euphrates River is dried up, and I gave you that reference on your handout. We won't look there, but uh, this is kind of a cool story. And I believe it was the Medes and the Persians. And Jim, I know you've taught this before, but Babylon, uh, I think like the Euphrates River, ran right under the walls of it. And I think the Medes and the Persians, somehow they diverted that water, the Euphrates, around it. And they were actually able to go under under the uh, walls of Babylon. Because I think the, the walls were like 90 feet tall. They were... Yeah. There were massive walls that nobody could go over, so it was like this impregnable fortress. But all they did is divert the Euphrates River around the city, and they walked right under. And the Medes and the per in, in one night they conquered it. Yeah, Daniel five. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an amazing thing, and, and so I don't know if this is a reference to that right here in verse thirty-eight that Emma read. A drought is upon her waters. Uh, to where they were able to go through and in one night they defeated the Babylonians so it's an amazing so it's kind of an epic thing that happened there that night Uh, they even predicted in Isaiah 45 oh was it? they called him by name that he's gonna they're gonna sneak in under the gate Ah, I'll have to look that up Isaiah 45? yeah I think it's 45 I think it's verse 7 okay I'll look that up. That was like a hundred years before. 
Okay, so that okay, that's where Cyrus is mentioned by name then. Alright. Um, in verse 41 through 44 of Jeremiah 50, it says, Behold, he shall come up like a lion. And on your handout, I put that uh, he, this he, is uh, Cyrus. That, that's your last blank was the name Cyrus. And that is the uh, great uh, king of the Medes and Persians is Cyrus. And so, um, go ahead and read the rest of this. Uh, 44 and 45. Behold, he shall come up like a lion from the swelling of the Jordan unto the inhabitants of the strong, but I will make them suddenly run away from her. And who is a chosen man that I may appoint over her? For who is like me? And who will appoint me the time? And who is that shepherd that will stand before me? Therefore hear ye the counsel of the Lord that he hath taken against Babylon and his purposes, and he hath purpose against the land of the Chaldeans. Surely the least of the flock shall draw them out, Surely he shall make their habitation desolate with them. At the noise of the taking of Babylon, the earth is moved and the cry is heard among the nations. So this is a, a monumental thing. It's an epic thing that Babylon has fallen. And my teaching point here is just that God has the power to remove kings and set up kings and uh, let's, let's close with that Daniel 2 if you would let's go to Daniel 2 we'll just kind of this is kind of the point this is the place I go to and uh, I know I know our pastor has said this about uh, our presidents including the, the current president we have he's like God has given our country the president we deserve is kind of what he has said and I think he said that about previous presidents as well and so uh, I think he's right so Daniel 2.21 says this and he changeth the times and the seasons he remove, removeth kings and setteth up kings he giveth wisdom unto the wise and knowledge to them that know understanding and I, I gave I gave you a couple other references on there. We we won't go there, but anyway, uh, God uh, removes kings and He sets up kings because He is the King of Kings, isn't He? And so anyway, that's what that's what's happening. Uh, and I think it's in Revelation where. Babylon kind of has kind of a military side and a religious side, and they, I think it's, it's in uh, Revelation 17 and 18, is all about the destruction of both of those in the end times. So, anyway, there's a lot there, and historically we're we're seeing it unfold in Jeremiah. And it's prophetical and historical. It's kind of kind of wild, isn't it? So yeah, a lot going on there. But anyway, we got two chapters to go. Two weeks before we're done. So the, so next week there is no ABF, right? With Easter. Ah, I guess that's right. I didn't think. Then I just got thinking. I guess that's right. I guess we're not in class next week. I'm glad you said that. I just will be an Easter week eating breakfast. I guess. Easter egg hunt. Yeah. Fellowship. Yeah, so no. Thank you for reminding me because I'm going to be planning to speak there at the men's breakfast, so that'll help me this week. Yeah, yeah. 
And so, if, you, if that's a burden, we can get some Yeah. Mm-hmm. No. All right. Well, Pat Lee, you want to close this? Sure. Her today? Sure. Okay, that's all right. Father, we uh, come together and we just uh, we praise you for what you're doing, what you've done, and what you're doing all around us in this church to um, really cause revival throughout this last week. And, um, it's been, it caused revival in my heart, I see it in many others' heart, and it's, it's uh, contagious. It's, uh, it's, uh, it's more than we could ever ask for. We just we praise you for being